when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the, yeah, it's definitely the ball. It's it's not my footballing ability. The the ball is the problem podcast. A lighthearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. Are we still friends, Brad? Always friends. Always. You sure? Conversations like last night are why I, re- why, why I relish our friendship, because we can be brutal with each other and have those types of conversations <laughs> and we know it's not personal. And we just remove ourselves from the situation. Bradley and I had a, a late night WhatsApp uh, spat, shall we say. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we, uh, we've, we've, I understand you. I think it, basically what I'm trying to say, I think it's going to make for an interesting podcast. I so think what happened last night is. Um, we lost a game of football. Yeah, yeah. Is that we, we went down the rabbit hole of one half of a conversation and that, and the whole reason it started is because when I said what I said, you assumed that was the only thing I took from the game. Um, not strictly true, but let's not let's not go down the road. Let's not. I mean, at first it was. Let's it not air was. our what's. Let's not air our WhatsApp uh, issues. Yeah, on, yeah. On, um, on, but <laughs> I think I, I, re, I reread the conversation this morning. I think by the end of the conversation, we're basically singing, singing from the same hymn. We're singing from the same hymn sheet probably different levels of blame that we would place in different places which is yeah. all opinion yeah that's true and and ultimately that i think that kind of underpins a lot of opinion it's like where where you place the blame basically and i think you know uh, yeah but hey it's gonna make for an interesting podcast right brad welcome back to the different not podcast how are you doing i actually watched the game late um because i uh i was at work so i started about 45 minutes late and I kept receiving like random WhatsApp messages from people with like, you know, when you, obviously you have no idea of the context of the game. So people would be like, what the fuck was that? And like sending gifts of Ronaldo. And I was like trying to work out what it meant but without looking at my phone. I was like, you know, I would check the time and I'd see a gift like, fuck. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was, that's what it was. Do you want to start with your word of the game? Um, I'm going to start with the word that I texted you last night, but I'm going to use it in the same way that I used bounce for both context. My word of the game is mismanaged. I think across the whole board of the game, the players, um, the manager, the game was mismanaged. Um, Man United were right for the taking. They were not good last night. They really weren't. They were they were perfectly average. Um, the only issue is, is we had some terrible performances who, who did not manage their situations well enough. And then we had our manager who unfortunately previously has also made this mistake of not making substitutions early enough and not getting different legs on the pitch. Um, and those for me are kind of the two, obvious, obviously the two biggest factors of why we lost. Our players dropped stinkers and then we didn't get those players off quick enough to have a real effect and change on the game. By the time that Saka comes on, we're already 3-2 down. And at that point, there's the United have only got to hang on for 20 minutes rather than, you know, when we went 1-0 down in the first half, we tried to hang on for 65 minutes for some reason. And I think that we need to come onto a conversation about that and whether that's a tactical decision or 
naivety from the team because Tim Stillman made a great point on Twitter, as he does, uh, which is, I've watched enough of this team under Arteta to recognize there is a disconnect between what he says and what his team does. His team's routine is to stop playing in advantageous situations. I think it's simple now. He's pretty ruthless with players that don't carry out his instructions. So it's very difficult to reconcile any other conclusion than this team stops playing at certain points because that's what they're told to do. We know what Arteta's like. He's frozen players out before. He's not afraid to criticize players in the public. Whatever he, unfortunately, he has built this kind of persona for himself where whatever he says in in the public eye, you do have to take with a pinch of salt because you can see the result, the kind of shoe on the other foot. You know, this isn't the first time this kind of situation has arisen and it's it, it, nothing's changing from it. We, you know, we, we, we keep doing the same thing. And it's a real disappointment for me because that game was so winnable if we just made changes and it, and it was so obvious what we had to do, you know, and whilst a lot of the blame lays at the players for not turning up, I think once you're dealt the cards that you're dealt, you have to make changes and play the game and try and, and change things up. And we didn't do that quick enough. And by the time that we did it, we'd lost the game. So I think it's, it's a, big disappointment last night because games like last night me and Alex had a conversation before the game and sorry to rattle on but um they define our season games against City uh Chelsea and Liverpool do not define our season they're so obviously a level above us now United have got some quality they really do you know Jaden Sancho is a phenomenal player Ronaldo is still a brilliant athlete and finisher um Bruno Fernandes is still a decent player, but no Varane, no Pogba, no Shaw, no Wan-Bissaka, um, no Matic. You know, some big, a lot of their big stars were out last night. And the fact that we didn't take advantage of that and also didn't take advantage of Harry Maguire um, is a is a real disappointment. <clears throat> fair fair perspective I just want to ensure that I have you I have what you think correct so we don't we don't get this wrong you're saying 50-50 this is on the manager or the players or you're saying what what are you saying if, if you had to put it into a a into a percentage I, I last night I was putting it 50-50 and I think that was mainly the disappointment of the occasion, kind of getting the better of my judgment and going, sure. well, they've played shit and the manager hasn't done anything about it, so it's both your faults. And your, and your headline now is mismanaged. So I, if anything, would that, would that have changed to more? But not in just the sense of it's just the manager. I think there was a lot of mismanaged duels from players. And I think okay. it's, it's, okay. it's also just a good word to label everything under. Okay. Percentage-wise, um <sighs> I, I'm uh, probably 60-40. 60-40 swinging towards the players. Because you, okay. you, because you have to allow party to play. We're not stocked with central midfielders. The same with Aubameyang. There's no perfect solution on the bench. You have to allow these players to play. My one issue is when you're seeing what they're giving you, not hooking them quick enough to make a change and make an effect on the game. Okay. That's, okay. 
I think okay. what he got wrong last night. Sure. So my so my issue with with what you said last night was it was it was fifty fifty, and I and I still disagree with sixty forty. I think that's the basis of our disagreement that of the, of the swing of responsibility. If this was a completely systemic issue, it was happening every single game. And let's be clear, there are systemic issues that are that are um, that are happening. I, th- I happen to agree with a lot of what Tim Stillman says. I also think Mikel got his his substitutions wrong. I also think there was some tactical stuff that that could have been changed. So that is all on Mikel. We have to look at the responsibilities though of each person involved. What are the players asked to do? What is the manager asked to do? And what are what are we expecting of them? And I think if you're looking at all of those things, Mikel Arteta is on that list, but I come to him third, fourth, fifth, sixth, maybe on the, on the list of, 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 of where we come. And I think the, the headline, and I saw a lot of, and, and it's not just you, like I saw a lot of Arteta slander last night. Arteta's got to take the blame. And in these situations, I think based on the context of what's happened, um, you know, in, in 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 certain matches, especially away against big, you know, big six teams. I think I've got the stat here. He's got a really poor record against it. it's Arsenal's record away at the big six under Mikel Arteta. One, two, drawn one, lost eight, scored eight, conceded twenty five. So it's it's not a good record. The manager has to take some of the blame. I just think the takeaway or the top headline, or certainly an equal headline to the players being the manager on this occasion, is not fair. For me at the moment, it's on the play. Tonight, it's mostly on the players. I look at the performances of Thomas Partey. I look at the performances of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I look at the performances of Martin Odegaard. Two of those senior players, one of them a captain for his country, not good enough. Simply not good enough. And I think I'm looking at the responsibilities and I'm going, right, what does Mikel have to do? He has to set up the team. I thought, okay, set up was fine. It was, you know, a classic art. We were in a classic 4-4-2 in defensive phase. We were doing our normal sort of, sort of stuff in, the, in our shape and build-up. I think you know, attacking wise, we were we were we were missing some 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 chance creation, but that's kind of a more systemic issue that again maybe we could we could talk about, but we we sort of know that, and I think it might have to be fixed in the transfer market. There is a, there is also, uh, Mikel can't go on the pitch and play the game for them, and there was to me there was three areas where tonight we were contesting against Manchester United. There was, there was quality, individual quality. There was a, the team performance and there was individual moments. Now, quality-wise, pound for pound, we are not mo- loads worse, but we are worse than Man United. They have a, a better quality players than us. And I think probably there are positions where we're better. Like in the midfield, I'd, I'd take our midfield over theirs. But if you look, I mean, Ronaldo... Not on the San- basis of performance, but <laughs> I get what you're saying. Overall, Ronaldo, <laughs> yeah. Sancho... You know, I know it wasn't playing last night, but you know, Varane, etc., etc. But on the pitch last night, Fernandez, like they they are a better talent-wise squad than us. So, okay, you hold your hands up and go, yeah, you hold your hand, you hold your hands up and go, they're a quality team. Then you look at teamwork, and I thought team-wise last night, the setup wasn't that bad. So it must it must be the implementation. I wasn't sat there at any point going, where are the spaces? Oh my God, we're getting completely run, run in transition. We had 69% of the ball in the second half. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm just saying that the setup wasn't this crazy thing that was that was so awful. So maybe you can look at the substitutions. Okay, fair enough. But ultimately to me, the, the issue there is the implementation of the setup. And then we come to individual performances. And that's to me the main issue. 
That's the main issue. And that is something that Mikel cannot control. Yes, of course, he can take the players off. And I, and I agree with that. And if he was doing it every single week, Bradley, I would be sitting here saying Mikel needs to sort it out. As much as the players do need to take the responsibility, that is a Mikel issue now. But this isn't happening every single week. This is something that we have been in great form. We have been, we are one point off the top four for the, I think for the first time, you know, I'm sure there's some kind of, I'm sure there's some kind of stats around, you know, how we, you know, w- where we are at this point in the season compared to previous seasons. I think it's the best since 16, 17 or something. We are in a good position. These players overall, and we chatted last night, I think probably Aubameyang, there's an argument. You could have changed them out. Thomas Partey's not been in the best form, but perhaps he's still recovering from fitness. I think there's a potential fitness issue there. Everyone else, the back five, Saka Smith-Rowe, they've been in great form. So I don't, I don't see it as some big, big issue for picking the players. Those players have got to take the responsibility at some point, especially in individual performances. So I, I think the what I saw last night and what annoyed me was an immediate rush to the manager, going, "Well, it was you know the game was mismanaged and there was a you know Mikel's got this wrong." Okay, he's got bits wrong. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And if this, as I say, if this happened every single week, I gave you the analogy last night. If you're a lifeguard at a, at a pool, and every single day someone dies in your pool you're a bit of an issue. You're at least 50% of the issue here. Maybe people are like jumping into, you know, doing stupid cannonballs and running into each other. And, you know, that's their problem too. But ultimately, you're not being a very good lifeguard. You should be protecting against that. If it happens once, and most of the time you're fine, and it's because someone was ramming their head into the the wall, aka losing the ball consistently, missing big chances, not not moving, um, you know, being weak in the challenge, weak in the duels... I, I don't know how you take away, and I see a lot of people's takeaway, is that the, the lifeguard on the day was the problem. He was a problem. He was part of it. But but I, I just I just don't see how it's even 60-40. I, I really don't. That's fine. That's fine. Um, and maybe we, maybe a, we won't the, agree, and that's fine. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. I think that the, um, what, is, what was it? Like, I think you also have to Was it to the remove... shit metaphor? Was that no? Was that you, you, it's it's the talk about being one point off the top four. You also sometimes in these games have to remove the context of where we are and look at the game. And if if this was a game that decided top four for us or a game that decided top six for us, obviously it has different connotations and we talk about it differently. But just on the basis of the game, kind of irrelevant of our good form because this is one of the first teams. You know, what is it? I think it's something like six of our wins this season have come from the bottom six. You know, we haven't faced a lot of the middle of the pack yet, which is which is fine and acceptable. But that's just as much context as, well, we're a point off the top four. So this was a good opportunity to test ourselves against one of the middle of the pack teams that are not in good form and have had a manager in charge for about two weeks. And... um I think the players let themselves down. I think the manager didn't cover cover himself in glory, but I think the, I think where we where we're I think I had a bit of a revelation last night. And I think where we're disagreeing is burden of responsibility after the whistle is blown. I think a manager has one job and a player has one job. The players have got to play the game, and the manager has to make changes to affect the game. During that ninety minutes, that's pretty much the only job I think they they do, and I and I think the only reason that Mikel Arteta is fallible 
for last night's performance is for not making changes quick enough. And whether you put one, and whether you, and I, I do think it's about opinion as to whether you put the blame at kind of sixty percent for the players or seventy percent for the players and thirty percent for Mikel. It wasn't a systemic issue last night. Pretty much all of Man United's goals came from poor play from Arsenal. The first one, it's the forty-fourth minute, I think, and Ben White instead of lashing it clear because um, it's so late in the half, um, just kind of knocks it clear. It goes straight back to United player. We're back on the um, the the defensive, and then he's not tight enough to Fernandez, and he's not aware enough of the danger. And I don't think he covered himself in glory last night. I don't think he had one of his best performances. There was there was moments you know, where he broke out of the defence and didn't release the ball and then was, what, a third of the way into the United half and lost the ball and they were on the counter. Um, and that could be as much to do with the kind of support around as him not making the decision to release the ball. But I... Don't, I don't have a problem. I, I I really don't think the manager is fully to blame here, and I want to make that clear. I don't I I don't think he's even majority majoritatively to blame. I think this is absolutely a player's issue. I think where I'm coming from is that once the game has started and the players that you've picked are playing like that, you have to make changes. You do. But why they, is that your ta- sorry? And why is enough. that your takeaway? Not your. I know it's, it's your it's takeaway. Not, I know it's your takeaway. But sorry, not, let me let me rephrase that. Why is that? That's like your. It feels like that's your, the player's got to take responsibility, but the manager should change it. That's like almost like the end point of it, of, 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 and that's why, and it's not just you. Like I see a lot of people, like almost like it always comes back to the manager, well, which it's, it's systemically. Because, it's because should, managers, but. managers live and die by their decisions. Um, a lot of, now listen, I, I don't think El Nenny did anything particularly wrong last night, though my tweets might say different. I just think he's a shit footballer. Like he can't pass a ball. And when you decide, (laughs) but when you decide to drop somebody like Sambi, who had six key passes in the last game for El Nenny, and then, you know, we're, we're talking like the 85th minute when we're desperate for a goal, he's got the ball and an option to pass it out to the left and turns around and passes it back. I think you're an idiot because we have five, six years of El Nenny doing this and knowing what El Nenny's like. I don't think he was horrible, but I think that playing El Nenny in a game like this Again, it loses you favour. Playing Sambi, and if Sambi drops a, sh- a shocker and we lose the game because of that, you can at least point to that and go, it's youth. This isn't youth. This is making the decision to play a player that you know who they are and then not changing it in the game. Now, I, I wouldn't have subbed on any because out of the two central midfield yeah, I would have, I would have players, yeah. Party was having an absolute stinker. And that then becomes the decision of, oh, I'm having to substitute party because he's not playing well. But having the kind of anvil chained to your leg of El Nenny in the centre of the park, who who just isn't technically good enough to play the style of football we're wanting to play at Old Trafford, is it, it was a wrong decision last night. And I... Players have to obviously take responsibility. But I think this is also where these com- conversations come from is we definitely fall into categories of how we align our conversations for the podcast and just in general, because these are the roles that we've taken up in this relationship with each other. So automatically you're going to speak more about the manager um, and the positives of the manager than the, and you're going to defend him more in my opinion, because I think that's just the way that 
the give and take of our relationship has become. I don't think, and I understand what you're saying about this is the main, you know, the players have got to take responsibility. But, and I think that I'm saying that is because it is the truth. The players have got to take the responsibility for the last night and the burden of most of it. But the manager also has to take responsibility too. And a fair chunk of it. Uh, Like he does have to take a fair chunk of the responsibility for last night for for certain decisions that were made that absolutely cost us the game. Because the players got us into that situation the manager didn't do enough to try and get us out of it quick enough. And I, that's I think, why he has to take some of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and as, as I've said, I don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. It's just the, the fair chunk bit. It's just how much. And I just don't think it's that much at all for last night. And, and, and also to come back on what you were saying earlier, there was a bit about, you said like, oh, sometimes you've got to remove context. No, you don't. Like ultimately, you know, this season, if you talk about the chasing pack, we've beaten Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, and we beat Leicester away. You could argue last season Villa were in that pack and we beat them, but you know whatever. They're not, they're not really this season. The people we haven't beaten are Liverpool, Chelsea, United, and City. And I would expect that. I would absolutely expect that. I would expect. To, I would to, agree with the three, but not United. It had uh, Old Trafford. United had won one in eight. They hadn't scored in nine games at Old Trafford. They uh, have a manager in charge that's been in charge for two weeks. And they've got a guy up front who scores 800 goals. He scored 800 professional career goals. Like, and I, I, and I the quality don't shows did, out. And I don't think he did anything special last night. No, he tried to shit bicycle at one point. No, like the... Like, I, we al- this is what I mean by, like, we allowed United to score every single one of their goals. The second goal, we have three defenders surround, like in, in a triangle around Ronaldo and not one of them makes a play to intercept that cutback. Not one of them. They're all just stood there. Our defenders 100% could have done better, but there is also, and also true, that it was a great cutback and a great finish. Like, I, th- I think I think Arsenal fans, and and, and again, this is, gen- this is not sort of, a thing that's sort of shrouded at you. It's it's a general thought I have. I think probably football fans in general as well. It feels like there can only be one narrative. That there, there, there can only be well that was a that was shit defending from Arsenal. It's like well maybe it was a good goal from United. Maybe it was a, it was a good cutback. Maybe it was a good bit of system play. Maybe like the goal from Fernandez is just good football from from United. And Fernandez is you know gets himself in the right position because he's a great player and gets a great goal. Fernandez is fucking one of one of the best players in the league. As is Ronaldo. As and is one Rashford, of the best. He's one of the. He's one of the best players in the league that has that. Then by context, hasn't scored in sixteen games and all season had created an xG of 0.04. But not scoring in sixteen games doesn't mean you're you lose your legs like slowly they deteriorate. You still keep the ability. No, of course you still keep. But it, he's obviously off the pace. And you want to talk about Bruno Fernandez? You've got to talk about the amount of penalties that he's scored padding up those stats okay but he's a very good player he's a good player he's a good player i'm not denying this but we also have to give the criticism to our defenders when they didn't do when they didn't do well enough and i think maybe that's just the kind of the giving give and take relationship that we've got is you're going to say it's a good goal by united and i'm going to do the opposite side of the argument because we're on a podcast and we need to do that (laughs) and that is that that is what we do but well, I think it is it, poor defending. It is, you know, Ben White yeah. in the 45th minute, not just lashing it upfield so we can reset and have them come back at us is a poor decision. And they're not getting tight enough to Fernandez or not knowing that Fernandez is there well enough is a poor decision. By him. Maybe. 
one yeah. of those three players not try, not even like one of those three pl- players not making an attempt to get to that comeback is poor by those three defenders. I don't think you can argue that Tommy Asu should because he's the back of the triangle. And I think he's one of the only defenders that really could leave with his head held high after last night. But the fact that White nor Gabriel was in the space to try and cut that out is poor. I, th- I think, yeah. And maybe it's maybe it's podcast dynamics. Maybe it's just the, the way we sit in, 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 in general. But I think, I suppose my ultimate point, if we take one thing away from this <laughs> 25 minute conversation, I think saying that... So, Arsenal can do better does not rule out the fact that it was a good goal for United and saying it was a good goal for United does not rule out the fact that Arsenal could do better they are both true it's just about where you place that and how much you think one is important than the other and I think generally last night I felt like I'd sit on the mostly on the side of well United scored a decent goal and yeah okay we we weren't that great but to be honest individual performances were were where I think we fell down Um, Uh, I mean yeah, I I agree with you. I think that it, it, it like it's decent goals by United that just don't need to happen if you defend better and you're smarter. Let, let's uh, let, let's get into the game. Let's get into the game. Um, so the lineups the lineups were interesting. I mean, Gabriel Martinelli starting, Bakayo Saka obviously not fit enough to start the whole game. Um, just quick shout out to Martinelli. I mean, starting against his idol. What a fucking must be such a fucking moment. I didn't see if he got a shirt at the end. I was too annoyed, but uh, I hope he did. I hope he did. What a moment! And that must that and that must be fucking mental. Having like spent your life because like Martinelli, what is he twenty? So he would have he would have been like fifteen when Ronaldo. No, hang on, I'm chatting shit. He would have been five when Martinelli was at. Man United and like just like just getting started at Man United basically when Ronaldo was just getting started so at Man Ronaldo United. was getting started at Man United that is mental and he's watched his whole career like watching the Champions League like that must be fucking such a trip um, I thought the one thing I thought from the, li- the lineup is and again like it's difficult to remove the context of how the game played out but in, in the moment of picking the team and the intention I, I thought it was a hard working team that's what I thought. And I, th- I thought, to be honest, that the intention was to, to outwork them. And I thought we were going to press. There is a, and, and you know, to prove that I'm not just completely uh, going to defend Mikel to the hilt, I am slightly concerned by our pressing numbers because I think we're like second well, in the league, in the league, league or something. Yeah. League for like pressing, uh, like press per defensive action or like press yeah, like PPD, press yeah. per touch or something along with like Norwich and stuff. And look, I, I think we press slightly differently to other teams for example I don't think we press when they're in their build up phase because I think to be honest I think they'll think I think Arteta thinks they can work it through us I don't, I don't know how in the second phase we do start to press man for man when the ball's sort of in the, in, in midfield in the sort of in the sort of progression phase I, I do see us pressing um, and I'm not saying it can't work but I mean ultimately if you look at the teams that are doing well they tend to press more and they press I higher think that's yeah, I I think that's room for improvement. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's Arteta thinks he hasn't got the right forwards, but that feels like a bit of a weird reason. Especially not to because Aubameyang is top of the pressing numbers in the league at the moment. And you could play Martinelli. I, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't. And also, doing pressing doesn't mean it's good pressing. But like, as in you know, well, as yeah, the we've got Martinelli. Then. Martinelli. I sent you the stat on Twitter. Is currently the best pressures applied versus versus turnovers for him. But I think it's for under twenty. So like. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For under 21. Sorry. So like, and that's yeah. in the world. That's not in the league. That's in the world. Yeah. Forward pressures yeah. and regain. So we obviously have good pressing forwards. Well, I, I, I don't know. It's difficult. I mean, we may do have, we may have good pressing forwards. I mean, it depends how you define a good press, right? But like, it's the the amount of pressers we have is we have Marcel and Aubameyang who who do who do do a lot of pressing. I guess maybe the, the problem is 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 you have to press in a in a in a, in a, in a stylized way, in a way that is functional with the rest of the team. You can't just kind of go ham because people just play around you. So I think, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I'm not a football coach, so I'm not going to try and comment on Mikel Arteta's press. He can coach it much better than me. But I, 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 I notice that we don't press very high. Um, and that is at odds with the rest of the league and, and, and in, in terms of what people are trying to do. And it's also at odds with the best teams in the, in the league. So I don't know. I, I wonder whether there's sort of some, some room for growth there. We, yeah, we, I mean, we started okay, winning the ball nice and high. There's lots of early errors from them. They were giving the ball away a lot. I don't know if they were nervous or something, but I think, you know, we were giving the ball away too. And then the goal. And I have to say, probably the weirdest goal maybe I've ever seen on football pitch. One of, certainly. Oh, I think the, I think the weirdest goal for me, I don't know if you remember, is Darren Bent when he shot and it hit the Liverpool beach ball. And rebound and like went in. Do you remember that? I think that's <laughs> got to that. take the cake as like the yeah, fucking that's, stupidest that's goal of all time. That'll be in yeah. the Sky compilations. Uh, I mean, I, I I put a tweet out last night. I think it's exactly what United and De Gea deserve. De Gea gets stood on by his own player and then is up two minutes, not, not even two minutes, six, 60 seconds after the decision and playing football perfectly fine again. If you roll around on the floor and you act like you've snapped your Achilles, you will eventually, a situation will arise like this where you get punished for it. And that's exactly what happened last night. There was no need for the theatrics. He got stood on by his own player and is playing for a foul, for an advantage, and doesn't get an advantage. Like that's this is this is exactly the type of thing that is born out of just bad faith gamesmanship, and you know we've had conversations before about players uh, and the need to really crack down on players who are feigning injury or feigning head injuries to get the ball back or to get play stopped. I think this is another another moment of it. De Gea wants to roll around on the floor after being stepped on by Fred. Like it's it's yeah. it's exactly and morally for me what De Gea deserves for, for cheating, for trying to gain an advantage through nefarious tactics. I think obviously if the goal is scored against us, we, we have a different conversation about it. And I also think that if it's a serious injury, say that De Gea has to be stretched off or taken off the pitch because he literally can't carry on, there is absolutely a fair gamesmanship that Arsenal should have done, which is give them the goal back. Because if he couldn't carry on, then it definitely is unfair. But it's the fact that he could easily carry on and it was the theatrics that cost his team the goal. It's absolutely, like, it's 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 karma for me. It's absolute karma. Uh, surprise, surprise. I think I see it quite differently. I, I think, first and foremost, being able to carry on isn't an indicator of whether something was a foul. So that's a difficult thing to officiate for. And... It may well be, I don't know, I mean, it looked a bit theatrical, but may well be that that really hurt. I mean, he did, he did stand on his foot and he could have gone down. He also, I don't think he knew it was his own player. So I, I, I think he probably thought it was a foul. I don't know. 
I also think, and I was talking about this last night, like, how do you actually officiate for that? Because if you, for example, you said, right, okay, we're going to make a rule that if the keeper goes down injured, the game stops. It's like, well, then the keeper could just go, if the ball just comes out to, like, a long shot specialist, the ball comes out to, like, I don't know, James Madison on the edge of the box, the keeper just falls over, like, ah, like, then, then what do you do? So, okay, well, uh, you've got to make sure it's a proper injury. Well, then how do you define that? You know, like, it's like, it's a, re- it's a real sliding scale of, of how you actually officiate for that. I don't think I don't think it was I think the fact that he got up and played the rest of the game ultimately someone stood on his foot so and I think that would have been a foul if for example someone had uh, say Ronaldo had stood on Ramsdale and Ramsdale fell over and then they scored I think we'd all be fucking fuming do you know what I mean um, no but in so, that situation you would call a foul don't give me if it's if it's Gabriel that stands on his foot in that moment, the goal gets disallowed, and they get yeah. they get a free kick. Yeah, but I'd, I, I'm not sure it's like it's kind of bad sportsmanship. Like I think he just went down because he thought he'd been fouled, and and he was fouled. I, mean, I imagine he was in pain. I'm not sure. I, like I, I'm not. I'm not. I like. I mean, maybe this is my bias. I like the hair. I don't think it's bad sportsmanship, and I think I think to be honest, I think there's a bit of like. I, I think I would have been really annoyed if that was the other way around, personally. Because you do see his foot get stood on. Oh, you definitely do. It's a but great then you have, finish, by the way. You have professionals of the game in the Amazon Prime hub discussing at halftime, saying that these are the kind of challenges and connections you get two, three times a game. Like, these are, profes- these are professional footballers. And we've, I've had it. We've had it. You know, I'll smack in, you in the ball playing, the five aside, yeah, mate. Playing the fucking five aside, mate. It's. I'm going to accuse you of theatrics next time. <laughs> I mean, bad sportsmanship. Go for it. <laughs> you um, fucking but, it, but the thing is, the reason that I call it bad bad sportsmanship is it's to gain an advantage, right? And whether he thinks he's been fouled or not, once the ball has, once you haven't got that foul, and it's obvious that we're that it's playing on and there's i mean i know we're talking about seconds a decision was made by de gea to stay on the floor and to stay rolling around and writhing like he'd been shot but i think he was in pain like he was he's been he was stood on oh yeah but it doesn't fucking hurt that much come on <laughs> come on like, that, like this, 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 I, I get what you're saying and if it was a serious injury and he'd broken his foot or he'd snapped his Achilles and he really like there is it's it's like it's like when fucking Luis Suarez gets touched and writhes on floor like he's been kind of had to have his leg amputated and then sees they're on the counter and gets up and sprints off. Like it's I think we give him dispensation because he's a goalkeeper. I think if something like that happens in another area of the pitch, the conversation is also slightly different. But the decision for him to stay down on the floor and writhe around in pain after somebody stood on his toe, which, yeah, it's painful, but it's a professional football game. Once you haven't got the decision, you have to play to the whistle. I do see that as as bad sportsmanship. He stayed on the floor to try and force a decision and to try and force the stoppage. Yeah, I guess... I guess I just say I think he should have been given the decision. I think, to be honest, I think the ref should have blown the whistle. Like I think he should have seen the player down, and blown the whistle. I don't think Arsenal should have kicked it out, and I think it was a goal. But I think in the series of events, I think I think basically what played out was 
fair in terms of how it was how it was officiated and if because the ref didn't blow his whistle and by the way it's a great fucking finish i'm actually not i know everyone's like oh he, he's gonna save it if he i'm not sure he's gonna save it because he might have been slightly to his right or something and, and managed to manage to get to it but he's a great fucking finish and there's a lot of people in the way um so fair play to smith around is one nil and to be honest i'm not sure and it's it does come back to what tim stillman said in, in your the tweet you read out it sort of took the wind out of our sails. I, I, it felt like such a sort of bizarre moment where, you know, when goals, like it's sort of, almost like VAR, but in like almost five steps. It was like the goal went in, then the player was down with, oh, okay, they won't stand. And then there was a bit of a check. And then there was like, then there was like Martin Eckers who picks up the ball and there's a bit of celebration. And then the, and then the people on the on, on prime are going, oh, it's going to be a goal. It's going to be a goal. And they go, oh, and then they finally give the goal. It felt like so many stages before we actually got the, yeah, that actually... I didn't. I wasn't sure where. I think. I think it just felt like a bit of a. Yeah, but I imagine it felt like a bit of a, a strange thing because it didn't feel like we'd scored a goal and that was the sort of emphatic start. And then I think from there, United started to come back into it. Um, there was some. You know, they they they, they managed to pin us back a little bit. Um, one of the funniest moments I think I've ever seen on a football pitch again is Harry Maguire going down the barrel of the camera, the ball's fucking shit after skying one <laughs> from, like, 40 yards. <laughs> Classic, like, five-a-side, like, yeah, mate, it's the ball. It's The the problem is, mate, it's the ball. It's definitely the ball. It's not me. I'm not bad at football. It's definitely the ball. It's the ball. It's flat. It's, uh... Yeah, it's the boots, man. It's the bit... I, I was out last night. That's why I'm bad. That's why I'm bad. Fucking hell. Harry Maguire, what a cunt. Um... Uh, yeah, I, I just thought the goal kind of took it out as, and and then I and then I start to feel like those individual performances start to start to come. Really, I mean, it was poor poor work from Party. This game really highlighted our need for a consistent, like top level central midfielder. I thought we were giving the ball away. I thought teams were getting wise to Ramsdale's ball, balls into midfield. They were they were getting. Um, Teams, Man United, um, reading a note and trying to make it sound natural. Teams getting wise to Ramsdale's ball in the midfield. Uh, I thought I thought United were getting wise to that and, and managed to sort of pick up a few balls from there. Um, more importantly, Brad, I also forgot Juan Mata still played football. Saw him on the oh. sideline. I was like, oh yeah, you're alive. Oh, that's funny. I didn't. I forgot he existed. I thought he was in Spain yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Honestly, the last time I thought about Juan Mata was like 2014. <laughs> There was a moment in this game when I thought, are we going to see memes on at Troll Football of Ben White with like Ben White when he empties his pockets at home? Keys, wallet, Cristiano Ronaldo. Because I thought at the, at the beginning of the game, he, he was, was doing winning right. headers against them. He was winning headers. He, there was one where he like tried to like, I think he, he tried like three bicycle kicks yesterday. One, on one of them, the, uh, the commentator said he was 36 going on 16. And I thought it was so funny. <laughs> Because it is such like a kid thing to do, and it? it's like yeah, like, it's so goal. far wide as well, so yeah. far wide. He had a couple of bad shots, like Ramsdale, like just like proper p rollers, really bad. Um, I also enjoyed uh, El Nenny standing over the free kick and Martinelli coming to talk to him and being like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> that was funny. Uh, their goal, to yeah. be honest, I, well, their, I think... their first goal, yeah. I, I think there's a conversation to be had as well about this. I, you know, because we're doing it far too much. We're scoring a goal and we're we're stopping. We're stop. We stop attacking. We stop playing. We we do. Yeah. And whether you know you you believe what Arteta says that it's not a tactical instruction. He's been ruthless enough in the past, 
And the same things have happened in the past where he said things out in the press and it's been borne out differently on the pitch. It's past the point where I don't believe it's a tactic anymore. I think it's it's got to be instruction. It has to be instruction for me because I don't think it continues again and again and again and again if it is an instruction because there would be consequences for these players. Um. And that is that is what allowed United to get back into the game. And then the first goal comes. I think we hold out quite resolutely for about 30 minutes. And then we lose our concentration at the end of the first half. Instead of realising what the kind of time was and that we're so close to finishing, um, White tries a little ball to somebody on the right, I think, whilst holding off. I think it's Ronaldo. Uh, we lose possession. They get it back and they, they end up getting in at the left kind of well left right depending on your views side of the box and it's it's mm. past square to Fernandez and White's not tight enough to kind of snuff out the danger and it's it's 1-1 it kind of came out of nowhere and out of nothing I don't think they really threatened us up until that point I think that was their first good passage of play yeah <laughs> yeah I'm watching it back now there was there was a nice bit of combination play I think it's I think it's Sancho plays it into uh, we sort of got it on on that on that yeah left or right hand side and and Fred of all people cuts it back and it's a nice finish and and White's nearly there. I mean, it's I I think as I said before I think it's one of those goals that yes Arsenal should have defended it better and it was also a good bit of combination play and but I think you're right in terms of it felt a bit flat and like it was out of nowhere because to be honest they'd had a bit of sort of possession and, and domination sort of I'm gonna say around around the 15 minute mark or sort of beyond that but then we started to started to get back control of the game and then they scored so it, it was it was difficult uh headed in at half time 1-1 came back out it was a great header from Gabriel um and i think i mean it, it came was a bit of back. reaction you're talking about the save oh sorry yeah good. Well, not great header was it it was like a sort of a came off his back back what would you call that a back backer <laughs> a backer a granite backer, a, Car- a Carlos backer, <laughs> a Carlos backer. That was better. That was better. Good. Um, but I just I felt, especially the second half, the individual performances really started to take hold because there was like some wayward passing from party. Party. He was getting the ball taken off him a little bit. There was a you know I didn't feel much coming from Abamian or Erdegaard. But then in the second half, I, I felt fucking hell, boys. We need a reaction here. You know, and especially after the goal goes in, um, like the from the Rashford cutback. Like I thought, party was getting spun. He got, I think, he got spun like three times in the box. There was one, one that was by Ronaldo, Ronaldo one where, yeah, where he just spins in. There's another one. I think it was Sancho or someone. Just and it's not goal, but he gets absolutely done. His agility does concern me. Um, and his all-round play concerns me, mate. <laughs> it's not quite turns like milk, but he's not. He's not very quick over the ground, and I think when you don't have someone who can kind of. B, I guess the mate of Niles with you know decent recovery pace or or Sambi next to him. I think he not struggles, but I think he. Do you know? What, do you know what I think it is? I think he's asked to do too much. I think when he has El Nenny, who's basically a shuttle runner and is just going to try and press, be available for the ball and, and play it off. That's all he's really asked to do. You give Party the responsibility of progression. You give Party the responsibility of receiving. You give the Party the responsibility of playing line breakers. You give him the responsibility of getting the ball out to the wide areas. It's a and and recovering like it's a lot of responsibility for one player. And Party's a good player, and I, I understand you know he's not particularly good form, and I don't think he's particularly fit. 
he's being asked to do a lot. And again, I'm not absolving him of his responsibility because you, you're a professional football player. Stop giving the ball away. Like that's that's one oh one. Don't do that. But I do think I do feel sorry for him at times. Yeah, I don't think you've you. I think I don't think you're far wrong. Yeah, the Rashford goal comes from a. I think it's a lovely ball from Scott McTominay with a little little through ball. Um, and Tavares, another one. I thought he was getting dragged out of position, and obviously that happens for the goal for the for the Ronaldo goal. But I thought he was getting dragged out of position quite a bit. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because the comments from Mikel in the week about you know you want to keep players who are who are brave and who are kind of you know you, you, you what message does it send when you drop someone because they're they're trying to play their way out of trouble in the way that he has asked them to. But equally, it does create situations where Tavares leaves a lot of space, and I, and I thought that was happening. Could he be covered better? Don't know, but I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, that one felt more slightly more egregious to me than than the other one. But then we pull a goal immediately back. Um, it's a great pick out from Party, uh, great cutback from Martinelli, great finish from Odegaard. Um and it comes again it comes from a period of, of of a kind of intensity which I think we we lacked um, in spurts, mainly when we you know when we when we really needed it. So yeah, it's 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 hard. And then the penalty comes. What what was Erdogan thinking? <laughs> it's Fred. It like, it, Lads, honestly, he, hack, he, he hacks him down like it's fucking Van Persie in the box on his left, about to smack it, uh, smack it. There's covering defenders. Erdogan, <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Please. He's just got Please off the plane from Ecuador. Ecuador. One thing that does, wait, one thing that does piss me off, right? When players... Give away a clear penalty, but then protest. Like, yeah, what the it's fuck like, are you doing? It's like the clearest penalty we've ever. We could watch it on the big screens, bro. I don't know how. I mean, he gets, he spots the run a bit late. He, it's a very clumsy challenge. Is it Martin Atkinson who didn't give it? Yeah, and then it obviously goes to I the thought VR. He had I mean, Such a poor game. Such a poor game. I'd love to find out the stats on any referee you thought had a good game. Do you, reckon this, do you reckon you've ever sat on this podcast and said, yeah, do you know what? That referee had a good game. I actually have. I'll have to find it. Um, uh, I'll search hours of footage. Of <laughs> content. Uh, yeah, I I thought, yeah, I, I, it was one of those where I just went penalty immediately. Imagine him like, not giving like, that penalty. Yeah, it was so, so dumb. So dumb. And this is what I mean about the individual. It's like, Arteta could have set up the most mind blisteringly good system which you know fucking alters the paradigms of football it doesn't matter if you tackle like that you're going to you're going to lose football games and there's a part of it that's like you know there's a part of it that's like well he's a young player and you know he's he's still learning I'm a bit like he's is he he's 23 like he's been a professional footballer since he was 16 you that's not an ex, that's not a youthful experience thing if that's a 19 year old center back fair enough but that's the captain of his country martin erdegaard like you just don't do it it's fucking idiot idiotic <sighs> and then you just know that mr sue is gonna score it um that's a good goal i literally wrote on my notes before we even took out his book goal <laughs> just because you know it's gonna happen Fucking eight hundred and one goals for Columbia Country, unbelievable. Um, I want to finish the game analysis on a positive, and that is, you, you're going to be right. That is, 
Gabrielle Martinelli. Yep. A great, great performance from him last night. There was two moments I want to pick out. One is a kind of flip-flap on the left-hand side to get past Sancho, and I think it's I think it's Dallow. Oh. And the other one is a break through the middle. And the one where he gives it to Aubameyang, and Aubameyang needs yeah, to give it back him. to him. And oh, I wonder. Do you think there's a there's a four four one plus one scenario we could play with Lacazette and Martinelli? Lacazette is that kind of centre forwardy role that he quite likes to play. Martinelli is the runner off him because Martinelli's got the pace. Martinelli's got the drive. It's about drive. It's about <laughs> um, <laughs> like I really like watching him last night. Whether it's a four four one one, whether it's a four two three one with Lacazette in you know a slightly more advanced ten. Um, yeah, I think that after the performances of Abamyang, or as my dad likes to call him, Ab- what is it, a baggy yang? I think my dad likes to call him um, a bang meang. That's a, that's a common a, one. Yeah, a bang meang. Yeah, fucking hell. Um, he needs to be dropped, um, and there need to be consequences for levels of performances like this. I think that's why I was so annoyed that he didn't hook him until eighty minutes last night, because players learn. And realise, oh, I can I can drop stinkers till eighty minutes and it's fine, and I won't be substituted. I won't get embarrassed on a world like no fucking get him off at half time. Um, I think it's Martinelli through the middle or um, some form of that for for the Everton game. Um, two goals and assists in two games, like uh, two goal contributions in two games. I don't have an issue with it. I think it's it's this the Martinelli story is another iteration of the Saka story of the Smith Rowe story of aged shit players not doing their job and being replaced with youth and I'm I, yeah do it yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think we have anything to lose because I don't think Aubameyang offers us offers us anything what I used to think Aubameyang offers us he just doesn't offer us anymore he offers mm-hmm. virtually nothing especially in games like this so yeah and I, I think also um, another point that Tim Stillman should we just get Tim Stillman on the podcast so he can just do it for us another point that Tim Stillman made uh, recently was around Aubameyang which I think was brilliant it was like I'd love to watch all of Aubameyang's goals back to back and see how many of them are the Aubameyang I have in my head of him like running free and slotting it far corner because there's not that many really really most of his goals and not, not to say this is strength but most of his goals for Arsenal have been like penalty box striker type goals not to say that he is that kind of player, because I don't think he, I don't think he is ultimately, or, or certainly wasn't anyway. And if he's not getting those penalty box type goals, and there's a moment where there's a lovely bit of combination play on, like just outside their box, and Erdegaard receives the ball, plays it back to Smith Rowe, and Smith Rowe has it, and I see Aubameyang just in totally the wrong position on the on the shoulder of the defender, rather than pulling out and 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 leaving some space to be slid through. And it's so easy to say, and, you know, all right, fair enough, it's a cliche, but Aubameyang in 2016, he's on his bike. He's he's peeling off the last defender. I think the hunger's gone. And when you see the hunger in Martinelli, or to some degree, again, it's not, you know, not let's not speak in binaries, but to some degree, that, that kind of hunger is gone. And when you see Martinelli, like, just pacing it past Tellez, like will not let it go. There's a, a lovely bit of pressure at the beginning of the game where he just would not let the ball go and he actually wins it back. 
see a player like that, that is inspiring to a team around you. That's something you want you want in your team. And it's you know, what happens when you give thirty four year olds two hundred and fifty grand a week. They know it's their last contract. Um, but they know the, they're done. Yeah. The and also you got to get a, like a blend of youth and experience, right? But ultimately, if you've got better players and they're younger, it's whatever. I think it's also and, and, Arsenal's situation that doesn't help. Arsenal yeah. aren't challenging for leagues. We're unlikely for me to win a cup this year. So I think Aubameyang just doesn't know what he's playing for and so doesn't care. He's like, well, I'm not going to win the league. I'm not going to... And that's the, that is the kind of attitude, unfortunately, I think he has and that I think he puts mm, across. I think you're right. To like Cristiano Ronaldo's post not even an hour after the game is finished, shows the kind of attitude he has towards Arsenal Football Club and towards what we're trying to do. Because we're not going for the league and because we're not going for every cup and we're not in in Europe, he's he's not interested. So find him and drop him. Two last positives. Uh, Great challenge from Tomiyasu, the final 3v2 at the end. And Emil Smith-Rowe scored six goals in his last 11 matches in all competitions for the Gunners. And considering if you and I had been asked at the beginning of the season, what do we want to see from Smith-Rowe this season? We would have said More goals. And yep. he's, uh, and we he's did delivered. say it. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Bradley, we'll see you after the... News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, turn on your notifications, leave us a review on Apple. Please leave us a review on Apple. We've only got 11. Come on. Leave us a review and you can support us on Patreon where you get access to ad-free and filmed versions of the podcast for just £5 a month. £5 only for these boys' unfiltered opinions. Ad-free. Wow. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com where you can... What you sound like? Buy me a coffee. You sound like, wacky arm inflatable arm flailing to man. (laughs) I've never seen seen that. that. Never seen that. I'm sorry. Sorry. I, I, I know that feeling when you make a reference to the person like... Sorry. Uh, the links are in the show description. Um, firstly, thanks to everyone who tweeted in and told us we were top of your Spotify wrapped. Love that. I love you. I love you. I, Big uh, fan. That, was a real su- uh, that was a real surreal moment for me. Loads like, of people. I don't, I don't know about you. Yeah. I don't yeah, know about you, but DMing, to see that DMing, really DMing. kind of hit home and we're re- uh, like a moment of clarity. We're really grateful for yeah. all of you who, who click on and listen and give us the opportunity to do this. Like, Yeah. It's a vibe. It's, it's, it's an absolute vibe. privilege. It's really nice. Got a vibe. Got a vibe. You know, Laquale got sent off like three times in a row. Anyway, not yeah, point. gave a penalty um, away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we, we really appreciate it. It's, it's so cool. Like, I, 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 I don't know anyone at home has any interest in making a podcast, but like having a podcast that pe- that someone has listened to the most this year, I think, it, I, think, I, think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. It's sick, man. Um, it's fucking sick. Uh, we've had lots of responses this week, Brad, so I'm going to try and go through them quickly. Uh, at Adri Futi says, people throw the word bottle job left and right these days. He's talking about you, Brad. Bottle job is being 4-0 up at St. James's Park and drawing it full-time. We lost a close game against a star-studded United team. I'm not sure about star-studded. Some stars, led by one of the greats at Old Trafford. We didn't bottle anything. Um, I think we bottled the occasion and the opportunity, and I think this is perfectly surmised. Uh, wait, wait. I think this is perfectly surmised by Tim Stillman's tweet from three hours ago. There he is. <laughs> Biggie Come Tim on, Stillman, Tim. right? 
He Which said, I put feet I, Tim Stillman for this episode. Yeah, please do, please do. Actually, don't, because we might get sued. Yeah. Um, he, he, he said, I really didn't want to be in this position of regarding every defeat as a reckoning for Arteta in the project, but I'm still so frustrated by what I saw last night. Arsenal played the Man United badge, not the Man United team, who, let's have it right, are rubbish. I do think last night should lead to some kind of change in thinking uh, from the manager, the go one nil up and then cower behind the sofa football really has a ceiling and it's not high enough for where Arsenal want to achieve. Arteta's contract is up in 2023 and this means some kind of decision has to be made this summer. And if he wants another contract, he has to show something else now. If we keep doing this, it's eighth again. I think he's, I think he's right. Last night, we bottled the occasion and played the Manchester United badge rather than a team that had won one in eight and had no Varane and Pogba, had no Luke Shaw, had no Wan-Bissaka. And that's a real disappointment. I think when the, the, the phrase bottle jobs can mean anything to anyone. It's about, you know, personal inference on verbiage, for Christ's sake. But I think that there is a certain amount of, of bottling that was done in terms of the occasion last night. I think we definitely got overawed by the occasion of playing Manchester United at Old Trafford if, as if they still had kind of Keane, Neville, Vanisseroy. And we were up against Diogo Dallo and Harry Maguire. Like, I think that there was a certain amount of... We gave them far too much respect last night. Uh, watch the game, not the scoreline. Moving on... <laughs> Adam Stoffold. That's the most non, non, like nonchalant, <laughs> stupid response I've ever heard because you don't have an answer. Like what? <laughs> okay. Well, the reason. Hey, 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 hey. We, you said we were, you said we were friends. Okay, I'll give you a response. I think that's very reductive from Tim Stillman. The reason I wasn't doing it is because I didn't want to have another bloody fucking argument on this podcast. But here we fucking go, Brad. Let's go. Right. Let's go. Come on, here for it, it, baby. That is very reductive. Very reductive. Read out. Read out line by line. Line by line. Okay, let's get, let's do it. I really didn't want to be in the position of regarding every defeat as a reckoning for the Arteta project, but I'm still so frustrated by what I saw last night. Pardon? Fair enough. It's fair enough to be frustrated, but this is your you're positioning yourself in a, in a position of oh, I have to, I have to. This has to be a reckoning. No, it doesn't. We're one point off fourth. This is progress. Let's calm down. Okay. Um, Arsenal played the Manchester United badge not the Manchester United team, who, let's have it right, are rubbish. Uh, well, they weren't rubbish last night. They were f- fine, and we were fine, and we were let down by individual performances. And the badge comment, I don't understand at all. We had a bit of a poor game, but that's like going, do you know what? It's like, you know when like commentators like, oh, we were let down by the occasion. It's like, what, what do you mean? We were like, like, the, like, we didn't break the press well enough. We we were let down by individual moments. There was poor technique display. But please, like, that, that's please don't, please. There is, ob- there, there is, in certain, you see it in cup finals. The occasion gets the players. Do not deny that play playing Manchester bat- United at Old Trafford is not a big occasion for some of these people. Some of the biggest, it's some of the, it's one of the biggest occasions of probably Sambi Lakonga's, like, Career, if he'd have played play. to start, uh, so- <laughs> to start at old, if he'd have started or played to start at old, tra- like, 
Yeah, but Erdegaard didn't watch, didn't accidentally see Roy Keane like running past him and take it. Like it's, it's. We didn't play the badge. We played the team in front of us and didn't win. And that happens. And if Erdegaard doesn't, if Erdegaard doesn't side them down, who's to say it doesn't? We, it doesn't end two two and we go. Do you know what? Decent point, at Old Trafford. Narratives shift on these things. Let's talk about them. Yeah, but it didn't happen, did it? And he did do it, didn't it? So, okay, but but it, the like, point. <laughs> the point is that okay, it happened. But the point is, that it was such a. It, if that. If someone blocks that ball, so so you're saying this the whole narrative of Arsenal's season, the reckoning of Arsenal Football Club, the 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 future of everyone on the pitch depends on someone moving their foot a little bit. No, it depends on more than that. It depends on it depends on overall results. It depends on performances. It depends on but that is not what club that is, says. How the club culture is moving forward, and I'm not saying it is, but reducing these things down to this is a reckoning because of one tiny yeah, little moment. We're not moment talking about game. that sentence anymore. We're talking about the sentence of Arsenal playing the Man United badge rather than playing the team that was out okay, in front well, of us. Well, I'm not talking about that anymore, isn't it? They're, they're not. They're, they're, anyway, whatever. Move on. Next next sentence. Uh, he said, I do think last night should lead to a change in the manager's thinking. This go 1-0 up, then cower behind the sofa. Football has a real ceiling on it, and it's not high enough for where Arsenal want to go. Yep, agree with that. Um, Arteta's contract is up in 2023. That means some kind of decision has to be made in the summer. And if he wants in another contract, he has to show something else now. But Arsenal keep doing this. It's eighth again. Am I, am I broken? Can someone tweet in? Am I am I like mental? We are fifth in the table. With we're, we're we're one point off fourth, below Chelsea, Man City, and Liverpool. We're doing better than everyone, other than West Ham in that ch- chasing pack. Am I broken? Am I am I the only one seeing this progress? I can't. I don't understand. It's like one game happens and we're, it's like it's almost like we're back in like November of last year. I don't get it. I don't I do not get it. I think it's well, I mean, one, I think it's the manner of it. You know, he's right. This cower behind the, the, the sofa football isn't good enough. But w- with with respect, you you do say we're we're you know, we're fifth one point or fourth as if, you know, Tottenham, if they win their next game, they leapfrog us. And then, you know, you, we're what we're one point then or two points above United and Wolves. So if we have one bad game and they pick up three points, we're then back down to eighth. So it's 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 very close. It's very compact. We're not exactly running away with fifth, are we? We're like this get- a point away, two but points this- away from everyone. And games like this could decide whether we're fifth or sixth or whether we're seventh or eighth. But this game is about the fine margins. Is the point of that? And I'm and I'm and I'm I'm not taking it off the table. I'm putting it on the table very clearly. I'm saying yes, we can go down immediately. But the point is, we are in fifth. That's the point. The point is, we are in fifth. And if this game is based on those fine margins, we are getting those fine margins most of the time. And then in this game, we're analysing it to a point where you're saying that you know we were playing the badge and it was you know high, you know high, all this sort of stuff. And maybe there's some truth to it, but. Ultimately, if this one thing hadn't happened in the same way that if if we have one bad game, then Spurs go go ahead of us. We, if this if if Erdogan doesn't doesn't do that challenge, then Ronaldo doesn't get that penalty. They don't score. It's a point, and we go good point away at Old Trafford. I'm saying the margins are so thin either way at the success point and the failure point that you can't judge it on either thing. But what I am saying is he's saying we're seeing you know we're, we're not seeing any progress or something. Or like we're not you there's not there's that no kind of. Okay, but but he's saying, you know, he needs to show us more. He's showing his loads. We're in fifth. 
which is a culmination. I do disagree of, with that. How? How do you think he's showing us? I don't think he's showing us loads, Alex. If you think back to some of the results that we've gotten, they've been good, but at points scrappy. And when we've come up against tests, we've we've not done particularly well. I don't think he's showing us loads of un, unbelievable, unbeknownst progress. We don't look like, you know, this is currently and currently feels like an overachievement to be in fifth because of the way that we're playing at points and the football that we're playing at points. Newcastle hadn't won a game. They still haven't won a game. And still, for 45 minutes, we didn't come out of the races at them. And we, we're not playing particularly great football. I understand what you mean. We are getting progress in, in terms of, you know, where we are in the league. It's just progress like that is very fleeting if we're not seeing enough progress on the pitch. But we are seeing progress on the pitch. We've won games consistently. We've won whatever it is, like six out of the last eight or something like that. We've been, we went on like a 10-game unbeaten run. We are seeing progress on the pitch. Of course we are. Okay. Uh, do you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of like December last year. We're, we're, we're seeing progress in results. I absolutely agree with you. I, we're not seeing as much <laughs> progress as you are announcing to the world in terms of play style and on the pitch performance. We're not. Anyway, <laughs> the last thing we should come to this week is uh, the Gabrielle news. Yeah. Fucking hell. I mean, it was like two months ago now, so I, I suppose it's kind of. Uh, and he put something out on Instagram saying like he's fine, and it was it was ages ago now. It's all been sorted, but I mean, it's scary. It's also scary. It's happened twice to Arsenal players within not very long. And I mean, yeah, like a year, two years. I'm not going to comment on like why that would be. I think it's just bad luck. But I think I think Mikel said something like, "Oh, well, no, he's he's taking the steps to prevent it from happening again." But I mean, f- fair play to him for sort of. Um, for sort of dealing with it and you know I think he was injured at the time as well so so fair play to him but it's it must have been terrifying yeah and kind of destabilizing as well yeah and and it, we haven't seen a destabilization of performance yeah you know, I think he's come back in and done really well which speaks to his his mentality yeah definitely definitely I think Gabriel's been literally one of our most consistent performers yeah, he's done great. Anyway, um, props to him and I'm glad he's okay. And yeah, I guess it's just a warning. And I, I hope Arsenal are acting on this in some way or in some, kind of, you know, ensuring that all players are, you know, properly, their houses are properly secure and stuff. And I'm, I'm sure they do all that work, but doubly, double, double, doubling down on, you know, security and home security and that sort of stuff and potentially even employing bodyguards and stuff because it's all worth it, isn't it? You know, you spend all of this money on players and their physio and their recovery and their boots and their kits and taking them to and from the stadium if they're not, if they're not actually safe from people getting yeah. in and to their house. It's kind of, kind of moot. So yeah, fair play to him. And uh, yeah. Uh, Brad, you got to go, so we'll have to end it there. But uh, hey, listen, we're all different. I, I would like to state, I, this doesn't change my confidence moving forward and in thinking that this is the right plan for now. And think, my, my opinion is still the same as it was pre the game. I just think that games like this will define the success of our season. And it's disappointing, you know, that we've come away with a, with a loss in a, in, a, in a very winnable scenario. Um, but I still back the lads. I still back Arteta to to get us Europa League football this season. Uh, and I think that I, I I think that if you're judging him off of getting Champions League football, you're a mug because there are teams way ahead of us in their development that 
that are probably going to get those four places. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just disappointing, and it's it's disappointing the manner of the defeat because, like we said pre the game over WhatsApp, if we lose this game because of two absolute screamers and like star power moments, we can. What's the word? We can come to terms with it. Yeah, we can come to terms with it more. But to lose the game in a way where we were just poor is just really disappointing. Yeah, certainly in, in those moments, in the yeah. moments where we yeah. lost the game, that's what I'm saying. Not yeah. over the whole game, but in the moments yeah. where we lost the game, we were poor. Yeah, certainly individually, and 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 yeah, yeah, and I think that that's the right word. Development, you know, football is, as we say on this podcast, an emotional game. You can't remove that from it, and. Everyone has their opinion, of course, and strongly held, and you know that is completely fair and completely justified and completely right for that person. But I, I just think everyone, I think the development of Arsenal should be always be factored in as the as the as the most important context of this at all. And mm-hmm. if we feel like Arsenal are developing because of this, if we feel as though the young players are going to learn from this, if we feel as though these mistakes aren't happening week in week out over a you know long long periods of time then i think we can we can you know we can be frustrated at the mistakes but hopefully we learn from them and you know i, I expect to see a reaction against everton and that'll be a shame if we don't get that um yeah. you know we um and we, we got to see changes you know we we do have to see changes that's that's yeah. where we're at now yeah yeah we saw you know we saw a reaction against newcastle and um you know to some degree and and and, and didn't get that at man united and we have to see one at everton and that's that's on Mikel. That that is on Mikel and the players to to do that. And uh, let's hope we get it. Yeah. Just got time, Brad, for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. How many career goals for Nuno Tavares? I'm gonna say nine. One. <laughs> One. Just remember that next time he's lining up a shot. Just remember career goals <sighs> for Nuno Tavares. Uno. Your question for next week is, uh, what season was Arsenal's 125th anniversary? In what season was Arsenal's 125th anniversary? Bradley, it's a pleasure as always, even when we disagree. Even more when we disagree. As always, as always. We learn, Uh, we live, we grow. Look, hope you enjoyed that. Let us know what you think. Um... Opinions always welcome. Email the different knock mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Uh, tweet us at diffknock. Uh, tweet at Bradley Adams. Uh, no, at what you're at Bradley underscore Adams at AM on football. Let us know. Let us know your thoughts. Um, yeah. Keep a different knock. And we'll, we'll see, see you later. later. Peace. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.